Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 14. Let's go back to, let's start in 16, then we're going to go to 14. How about that? John chapter 16, I'm going to read from verse 7. I'm reading the ESV here, so I'm just having fun with it. Nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper or advocate... The helper or advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Turn back to chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper or another comforter to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 25, these things I've spoken to you that while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Can we say amen? amen? So we have three different passages here. Three different things I've highlighted out of, out of John 14 and 16 concerning Jesus' to send the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you because I'm going away. And I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm sending my Spirit to you. So we know on the day of Pentecost... That the Holy Spirit came. Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, they were all in the upper room with one accord. And as they were praying, the Holy Spirit came and filled all who were in the house. And the Bible says that it was a baptism, an immersion, and an overflow of the Spirit. The term baptism was used by John the Baptist. He said, I'm baptizing you with water, but there's one coming after me who's mightier than I, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so that's exactly what we see happening. I see three baptisms in the New Testament. The first is baptism into the body of Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, for we have been baptized into the body of Christ. When you're born again, you're immersed into a new community, into a new family. You're baptized into the body of Christ. You're made a member of that family. Can everybody say amen? amen? Second baptism I see in the New Testament is baptism in water. He said, whoever repents and is baptized, the same shall be saved. Mark chapter 16. And we know that the Jesus was baptized. Jesus baptized people. The disciples baptized people. New Testament is full of bab baptismal verses. And Paul talks about baptism in Colossians chapter 2. And he says, when you're baptized in water... It's a circumcision of the heart that there's something sanctifying about being baptized in water. Water doesn't necessarily save you. Being born again, accepting the work that Jesus did on the cross saves you. But we are to follow the commandment of the Lord and the instruction of the Lord and be baptized. And Paul said symbolically, it's like when a person goes down into the grave and then resurrects from the dead. That's what happens to us when we're baptized in water. We go down into the water and the old man dies and then we're, we're raised out of the water and we're raised to new life. 
and we're raised to new life in Christ, sin's forgiven, a new, a new experience, spirit has come alive, you're a new creation. Baptized into the body and baptized in water. Then the third is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's what John talked about. It's what we see happening in Acts chapter 2. I believe the same thing is happening in Acts chapter 8 when Philip went down to Samaria and he preached the gospel in Samaria. And there were many who believed on the Lord. They believed the word. Demons were cast out and miracles happened. But they had not received the Holy Spirit. So Peter and John came down from Jerusalem and laid hands on the believers who had received the word under Philip's preaching, and they were baptized or received the fullness, or the Spirit came upon them. Many of these different terms used. Also, Acts chapter 10, when Philip goes to the Cornelius the centurion's house, there he's preaching the word, and as he's preaching the word to them, the Holy Spirit falls upon them, and they receive this immersion or this baptism in the Spirit. They begin speaking with tongues and praising God. Then in Acts chapter 19, Paul shows up in Ephesus and he meets the Ephesian believers and he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, well, we don't even know that there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit. So Paul baptizes them in the name of the Lord Jesus and then Paul lays hands upon them and the Bible says they receive the Spirit and they speak with other tongues glorifying God. So I believe this is, this is a pattern that's happening in the book of Acts. And there's a, uh, there's a pattern that happens after being born again. And that is, I believe you're born again by the Spirit. Because Jesus said, no one comes un unto the Father unless the Spirit draw him. And then Paul says, unless you have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. But the Spirit comes into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. And so I believe the work of salvation is a work of the Spirit. And I believe the Spirit comes to live in you. But I think there's another experience. That's the fullness or the baptism or the overflow or the filling of the Spirit. The charismatics would describe it as a release of the Spirit. A release of what's already in you. More old school Pentecostals would describe it as a coming on of the Spirit. I really don't care. Coming on, released, filled, filled fell upon. Just get Him. Amen? Just get him. Just be filled with the Spirit and all of his fullness. And so the Spirit comes, <clears throat> and according to John that we began with, John chapters 14 and 16, he comes and does three particular things in the life of the believer. And there's a whole lot more, but I'm just going to start today with three. First of all, he comes and he becomes my advocate. Jesus said, I'm sending you another helper. The term helper in Greek is this term parakletos, which means an advocate, one who will come and argue with you in a courtroom. If you look at it in the usage in, in secular ancient Greek, it meant one who would come and represent your case in a courtroom. One to come alongside you. One to walk with you and to represent your case. Now here's the interesting thing about an advocate. We have another advocate mentioned in the Bible. The Bible says if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So who's our first advocate? 
Jesus is the first advocate. Jesus came as the first advocate and, and took our place in the courtroom of heaven, so to speak. He took our place on the cross. He took our punishment for us. He took the judgment of our sin upon Himself. So now you and I can be made righteous and be made free and be made justified in His presence just because of what our advocate did for us. He came alongside to die for our sins and to give Himself for us. He is our first advocate. So then when Jesus was going away, He said, I'm going to send you another advocate. The term in Greek is alos, another of the same kind. I'm not sending you something totally different. I'm sending you my spirit. I'm sending you another aspect of God. The Spirit is coming, and He's going to be your advocate also. But what does this advocate do? The Bible says in John 15, 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of me, Jesus said. So the next advocate that comes looks back and points us back to the work of the first advocate. Is anybody confused yet? Just thinking this sounds confusing. I don't mean to be. I mean to be plain. But when the Holy Spirit comes, He comes to speak of what Jesus did. So let's play this through. Let's say you've been forgiven of all of your sins. You've accepted the Lord into your heart. And your, your record has been expunged in heaven. All those things you did in 1975 are under the blood. Somebody should shout now. Hallelujah. All those things you did in 1984. They're under the blood, right? And so every now and then, though, when we walk along because we didn't forget it, the devil surely didn't forget it, our friends didn't forget it, Satan comes to us and starts whispering in our ear, do you remember what you did in 1984? That's when we need another helper who comes and says, hello, Hans. Look back to what Jesus did on the cross. And remember that all of your sins were expunged and your record was clean and you're free to go now. And you, not only does God forgive, but God somehow in His sovereignty forgets, chooses not to remember, and throws all of those things into the sea of forgetfulness. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Look at your neighbor and say, I think he's preaching to you right now. This is for you. There were, there were, there, there's examples of advocates in the Old Testament. I want to show you two. First of all is the life of Abraham. Abraham becomes an advocate for his nephew Lot. Because when the Lord came to visit Abraham, he came to Abraham's tent door. They had dinner together. And then they stood up and he left the tent. And they set their face towards Sodom and Gomorrah, two wicked cities. And God was going to go judge those cities. And as he was getting ready to leave, he looked at those with him, I think angels, and he said, can we withhold what we're going to do from Abraham? And so the Lord told him what he was going to do. And when Abraham heard it, he knew, oh man, my nephew Lot is down in there with his family. So Abraham came out, and I think he stood before the Lord with his back towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and became an intercessor. 
or an advocate for his nephew. And he said, listen, Lord, oh, no, 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 no. Would you destroy the city if there were 50 righteous in the city? The Lord's like, no, I wouldn't destroy it for 50 righteous. Okay, all right. Let's get down a little bit lower. Would you destroy the city if there were 45 righteous? And, and he starts whittling God down and he gets him down to 10 righteous. Would you destroy the city for 10 righteous? He said, no, I wouldn't destroy the city for... He sat there and interceded for his nephew. An advocate. See, what happened with the first advocate is Jesus is now he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says making intercession for you and I. He's representing us to God. And now the Holy Spirit is on earth, walking with us, representing us to heaven. Second example is Daniel. Think about Daniel. Daniel in chapter 9 of the book of Daniel, he starts reading the prophecies of Jeremiah the prophet, and he realizes that there was... It was prophesied that the children of Israel would be in 70 years of bondage in the country of Babylon. And he starts looking at this situation and he sees the sins of his people and the wickedness of his people that caused that Babylonian captivity. And so he starts praying. And he puts himself in the mix and he says, Lord, forgive us for what we've done. Forgive us. For our sin and our iniquity. And I believe Daniel was an, an ultimately righteous man, but he identified with his people. This is called identificational repentance. Some have heartburn with it, but I see Daniel doing it. He's repenting on behalf of his people, even though he maybe didn't sin. He's identifying with his people. Just as you and I can identify as Americans for the sins of America. Maybe we didn't commit those sins, but we're identifying as Americans and praying for our nation as we are part of the nation. He was standing before God on behalf of His people. Can somebody shout amen? amen. So Jesus is my first advocate. My little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He has represented us before God and now the Holy Spirit comes and stands representing us to heaven. Lloyd-Jones said this, famous Welch preacher. He said, are you a Christian? He used to ask people this question. And he said, if the person would respond, well, I'm trying. He said, then I knew they were not being a Christian. Being a Christian is accepting the advocacy of Jesus Christ. Now accepting what he's done on the cross. And now the justice of God is on our side of the scale. And being a Christian then is a standing position. That I stand in what Christ has done in the courtrooms, courtrooms of heaven on my behalf. And now the Holy Spirit stands beside me. Leading me, guiding me, pointing me back to the courtroom decision that happened in my favor when I came to faith in Christ and my sins were forgiven. Can somebody shout hallelujah? This should make you happy on Mother's Day. 
You know, uh, this several years ago, I was in uh, I, I was in a church plant that we had started in Washington D.C. And I, I know the Holy Spirit lives in me. Don't you know that? He's in you. Christ in you. You know He's in you. But nonetheless, He comes alongside you. I think He's big enough to be in you and alongside you. So we were in this worship service in a little elementary school cafeteria where we planted this church. And I was in the worship service. I was on the front row one day. And I was worshiping with the, with the worship team as they were playing. And I just had this, I just had this sense I felt like the Holy Spirit, I know He's in me, but I felt like He was standing next to me. I felt like He was standing next to me. So I went up and took the microphone to transition the service. And I said, folks, I know this sounds weird. I just felt like, I know the Holy Spirit's within us, but I felt like He is standing next to me this morning. And when I said that, an older man got up and ran out of the building. After the service, I found out this man was raised in a free will Baptist faith, came to our church, great man. God used him in dreams. And when he came to me, I remember preaching on dreams one Sunday, how God uses us in our dreams. And he came up to me and he said, Pastor, I've never heard anything like that. He said, I thought my dreams were a curse because I've dreamed of things and they would happen exactly as I've seen. 9-11 he dreamed of, people dying he dreamed of. And I said, well, maybe it's just the Lord showing you prophetically what's getting ready to happen. Don't take it as a curse. Well, during the worship that Sunday morning, he said during the whole worship, he was punching his wife. Her name was Linda. He said, Linda, do you see that man standing next to Pastor Hans? Do you see that man? And when I got up and I said, I felt the Holy Spirit standing next to me, he ran out of the church. <laughs> Come on, say, he's in me, and he's alongside me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, he's in me, and he's alongside me. He's an advocate coming to help fight my case. How would you like to have the greatest attorney in America walking with you in every deal you struck and every conversation you have? How would you like that? If you showed up and you thought, well, I've got to buy a car today. <laughs> oh, I have F. Lee Bailey with me. And I'm going to let him argue for me. How would you like, Lord, let's go exponentially above that. Everywhere we walk, we have the Holy Spirit walking with us, leading us and guiding us on major life decisions and small life decisions. Hallelujah. On what type of condensed milk to buy at Walmart, to what house to buy, to what to, what to be able to tell your kids, to how to be able to counsel a friend who's going through a difficult situation. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. He is your greatest advocate and your greatest counselor. Can somebody shout amen? amen. Second thing we learned, John chapter 14, verse 25. John 14, 25. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you while I'm with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So here is a teaching and a recalling. Yeah. 
He has the ministry of teaching and the ministry of recalling. Now, let me tell you something. I'm going to show you something. If you look in the book of Proverbs, just hold your place. But look in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. The Bible says, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Or King James says, candle of the Lord. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. So God comes to teach us, and he wants to teach us in our spirit man. So what this, this is saying is that it's the spirit of man that is enlightened and is a candle or a lamp. See, your body, soul, and spirit, we've spent a lot of time educating this flesh. We've spent a lot of time in the soul realm, educating our minds. But often we don't spend enough time in the spirit realm, educating our spirits. This is why He sent the Holy Spirit, to teach us in the spirit. I want you to turn, hold your place there in John, but go with me now to Romans chapter 8. I want to show you something in Romans 8. Romans 8 verse 14. Romans 8, 14. This is powerful. Y'all hang on. You're going to have the best Mother's Day ever. For all who are led by the flesh are the sons of God. All who are led by the soul, their mind and emotions are the, uh, the sons of God. No, for whosoever is led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. A characteristic of being a son of God is being led by the Spirit who connects with your spirit. Now notice verse 16 of Romans chapter 8. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Now let's drop on down, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know to pray for, we don't know what to pray for as we all, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I can't help but say that's the Holy Ghost praying through us in tongues. He comes and prays through us with groanings which cannot be understood in human terminology. Now, now turn with me to 1 Corinthians. I'm going to show you one other thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. So when we come to better, to, together as a church, it's better that we speak in the language, the vernacular that we speak, which is English, or at least some form of English. And it's better that we speak that to one another. He doesn't forbid speaking in tongues because at the end of the chapter he said, God forbid, I speak in tongues more than y'all. Do not for, forbid not to speak in tongues. He just gives guidelines to it. But he gives us the purpose of tongues here. When you pray in unknown tongues, your spirit is praying. 
He says in one part, I will pray with my mind and I will pray in the Spirit. I will sing with my mind and I will sing in the Spirit. So I can pray in the Holy Ghost and I can pray in tongues. And when I do that, my mind isn't understanding it unless the Lord gives interpretation, which He can. But my spirit is profiting and the deep things of the Spirit are being downloaded into my spirit. And my spirit is the candle of the Lord. And God is speaking mysteries in the spirit. And there's things to come that he's downloading in me as I pray in the spirit. Now, why am I getting there on the spirit as our advocate, the spirit as our teacher? Because the spirit can teach you by praying in the spirit. I haven't taught a lot on this, but I want to teach on it in the church. And I want you to get it in your spirit. And that is pray in the Holy Spirit. Spend hours praying in the Spirit. Spend hours praying in the Spirit. And when you feel it, come out of the Spirit, pray in the English. Come out of it and pray with your understanding. Come out of it and write down what you're praying and what you feel in your mind or in your heart as you're praying in the Spirit. Oral Roberts was a great Pentecostal holiness minister, you know, pastored a church out in Oklahoma, out of the Oklahoma conference. And he, uh, at one point, God had spoken to him because he was miraculously healed of tuberculosis at the age of 17. And God spoke to him and said, take my healing power to this generation and build me a university where the students will be raised up to hear my voice. So as he started thinking about this, how do I build a university? He said, I didn't know anything about building a university. I didn't know how to pull it together. I didn't know how, to know how to bring the administration together. I didn't know how to hire the staff and teachers. and I didn't know how to put together curriculum. I didn't know any of it. So he said, I started doing a deep study on the Holy Spirit in Scripture. And he said, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I would speak in tongues when I was scared or in desperate need. Only out of emotion. And this is how most Pentecostals did for many decades. Only praying in the Spirit when you were seized upon or felt the moving of the Spirit. But he said God spoke to him one day and said, you have my spirit in you, don't you? And he said, yes, Lord, I have your spirit. Then he said, he has everything you need. He has everything you need. So he said, I start praying in the spirit. I just start praying in tongues and spend hours praying in tongues. Just spend hours praying. Come out of it, interpret my own tongues as God gave me the interpretation. Come out of it praying in English after I'd prayed in tongues. And he said, God gave me the entire download of how to build the university, how to hire the staff, how to organize it, how to do everything. Came right out of praying in tongues. Brother Kenneth Hagin told a story of a businessman that he said, he said, this is, he said, this is better than I've done. But he said he had never had an investment lose money in his life. The guy wasn't educated. But he said he had never had an investment lose money in his life. And somebody asked him, what is your secret? He said, when someone offers me an investment or a business deal, I go lock myself in a closet and I pray in the Holy Ghost. It may take 24 hours. It may take 36 hours. It may take a week. But I pray until I get a yes or no in the Spirit. If you do that, you don't have to watch CNBC. Did I land from Mars or are y'all? 
because I'm getting some deer in the headlights and some cows looking at a new gate look this morning. But <laughs> The teacher's in you. Come on, the te- come on, say it with, point to yourself and say, the teacher is in me. We have, listen, we have often mistaken or missed the supernatural because we're looking for the fantastic. The supernatural is right in you. We often want to see somebody shout and run the aisles. And I love that, by the way. Or we want to see, you know, heaven come down in a worship service. And I love that. But you know what? You don't have to do that. You don't have to have that to walk in a supernatural. The supernatural is within you. You go to bed every night with the Holy Ghost in you. And sometimes he's downloading dreams because it's the only time your mind will shut down enough that you can hear him speak. One man used to say, I don't know why it is, but God speaks to me while I'm running. And somebody said, that's the only time your mouth shuts up long enough that you can listen. Holy Spirit download. Holy, come on, raise your hand if you want this. Holy Spirit, give us the download. Come on, Holy Spirit, give us the downloads we need. I don't know about you, but I need need the voice of the Spirit in my life. I need to know what to do. I need to know. I need need Him to lead me and guide me. I need the teacher, the the parakletos in my life. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. Jesus said, when they hand you over, Matthew chapter 10, don't worry about what you're to say, for it will be given to you. Who? By the teacher. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is inspired by God. How is it inspired? It's God breathed by the Holy Spirit, the teacher. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a littlest spirit of fear, but He's given to us a big-ass Holy Spirit, advocate, power, love, and of a sound mind. Can somebody shout Amen. The Holy Spirit is my teacher. One other thing we'll share with you. Not only that, back to our original verse, John chapter 16, the Holy Spirit is my guide. He is my guide. If you look at chapter 16 of John verse 13, when the Spirit comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. You know, Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. It's out of your spirit man. Out of your spirit man comes the advocate, comes the teacher, and comes the guide. So you have within you a divine GPS that God places in your spirit. And He has some destinations programmed in for you. And all you have to do is listen to the guide of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was a spirit-led man, right? He was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. He says, I do nothing lest I see my Father do it first. He was completely led of the Holy Spirit. You and I had the divine GPS in our hearts to be led of the Holy Spirit. Many of y'all know Doug Eccles' testimony, but it's worth telling again, especially for some of you who haven't heard it. Doug's one of our best friends, and Doug comes and preaches here every year. And Doug went years ago to the island of Haiti, and he was going to hold a series of meetings in Haiti. And when he landed, he landed in the airport with a traveling partner, and then there was a guy from the, one of the airline services who hopped in the taxi cab with him to go to a hotel. 
Well, they were going to this certain hotel that Doug knew of, and it was a hotel that was multi-storied, you know, had several stories high. And Doug said, as we were going there, I just felt a little nudge in my spirit. Just a slight nudge in my spirit. And I asked the driver, I said, could you take us to another hotel? There's another one that I know of I think I'd like to stay at. The driver says, sure. He shows up at this other hotel, and it wasn't a multiple-story hotel. It, was a, it was just had these individual little bungalows outside one level. So Doug said, we, we got to a room, we put all of our stuff down, we walked outside to sit by a swimming pool they had and just rest, and no longer had they sat down. He said the, the water licked up out of the pool, and an earthquake happened that, if I'm not mistaken, killed like 300,000 people. One of the worst natural disasters we've ever seen in our lifetimes. The building he was going to stay in completely collapsed. It was by him listening to the gentle nudge and push of the Holy Spirit that I believe it saved his life. It saved his life. I need the life-saving GPS downloaded in my spirit. Amen. I need to know what to do. I need to know which direction to go. Left, right, back, forward. God, you give me. You download it to me. I need your direction in my life. How many could raise your hand like that and say, I need it? Come on, say it with me. I have the advocate inside. Come on, I have the teacher inside. And I have the guide inside. I have the guide inside. There was a guy that came here years ago and, and taught or preached in one of our wild game dinners. And he had been a guide, and he talked about going up in the, the north Midwest somewhere and uh, had went hunting. And he said as they would hunt, they went so far back into the woods that they would put these uh, reflecting little tags on the trees and stuff so they could just find their way back. But he said... Once nighttime fell, he looked up, and there was reflectors everywhere. There had been a lot of people in there hunting. There were reflectors everywhere. And it took somebody that knew what they were doing to get out of that. The world's got neon signs flashing everywhere. This is the way you should do it. Dr. Phil says this is the way you should do it. Oprah says this is the way you should do it. National, National uh, Enquirer <laughs> says this is the way you should do it. Come on, hallelujah. This political party says this is the way you should do it. This commentator says this is the way you should do it. I want the Holy Ghost way of doing things. Come on, I want the Holy Ghost way of doing things. Dial it in. Because you know a good GPS system, you get off route, it starts, it starts getting loud. Redirecting. Hello, Hans. You can make it sound Australian. You can make it sound British. You can make it sound like cartoon characters. Y'all remember Logan that used to play guitar for us? He had his GPS, you know, it was downloaded like cartoon characters. I don't know, man. I just want the Holy Ghost to speak in his voice to me. Hans, this is the way. Walk in it. Didn't Isaiah say that? When you walk, you'll have a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. This is the way, walk ye in it. This is the way, walk ye in it. One more story, then we're going to pray. 
I moved to Washington, D.C. in 2009, and I was looking for a place to plant a church. So we went to a certain city within the city, certain town, and we said, this is where we're going to plant. But something just didn't feel right to me in that town. It just didn't, it just didn't feel like this is the place. And plus, I found a home to rent that was probably 20 miles west of this town. And so one week I had a loan at home. My family went away. And I said, this week, I'm, this, this is my whole job this week. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ride this city. And I'm going to see where the Lord wants us. And so I prayed and I started riding that city. Now, during that time, I had a dream. And in the dream, I dreamed I left Chesapeake, Virginia. My car loaded and packed with my family. We were going to plant a church. We got up in the mountains of Virginia, and I went in a little cafe, and there was an elderly man waiting at the cafe who gave me a cup of coffee. And this sounds weird, just the way it came to me. He looked at me and he said, you're an intellectual man, aren't you? He said, you're from Reston, Virginia. I woke up and knew where I was going to plant that church. I was going to plant it in Reston or as close as I could get to Reston. And that's where I planted the church. Now, not only that, I found an elementary school that would rent it to us for services. We had a dear intercessor named Rick Hurst working for us. He worked at the IPHC. He had been an IPHC missionary in, uh, all over the world. He was beyond brilliant. He had started the coffee house uh, ministry for the IPHC. He, had, he ran a coffee house within the old city gates of Jerusalem. He was just a, that kind of guy. And uh, I told him, I said, Rick, I found a place to have the church. And I told him where it was. Rick had best friends that he had grown up with in, uh, uh, right outside of Rocky Mount, in, in uh, a town right outside of Rocky Mount in North Carolina. Close. Roanoke Rapids. They had grown up in Roanoke Rapids as next-door neighbors and went to church together. Lo and behold, this lady had become a very powerful business lady in D.C., and her husband was too. And he went and told them. He said, hey, my friend Hans, I told you about, they found a place for their church, and this is where they're planting. It's in an elementary school. And when they heard it, they laughed at him. They went, <laughs> good joke, bro, because that elementary school is right beside our house. <laughs> no, sorry, one cul-de-sac over from our house. He said, no, I'm telling you, that's where he said he's planting the church. They said, are you kidding us? So they'd walked down to church and started coming to church and became some of our greatest leaders in that church. Thank God I took a week and said, Lord, you give me your download. Tune in the GPS in my heart and lead me exactly to where I need to go. Won't he do it? Come on, somebody look at your neighbor and say, won't he do it? <laughs> won't he do it? 
He's not left us down here to fumble along on our own. He ain't left you without any kind of help. He's not left you lonely. He hasn't left you orphan. He's come and He's given you all the resources of heaven. All of heaven's ability is behind you. Jesus said, I have all authority in heaven and earth and now I'm delegating unto you. You go forth in my name. Don't worry about what to say. I'm going to give you the words to say. Open your mouth and I will fill it. Don't worry about what's going to go on. I'm behind you. I know the future. I've gone before you. I have your best interest in mind. I'm working all things together for your good and I'm turning even around the bad stuff the devil intended. I'm turning it around for your good. Hallelujah. Because all I have is victory in front of me. Hallelujah. Defeats behind me and the past is behind me. I have clear sailing in front of me because I have the Holy Ghost advocate taking hold of the steering wheel. Somebody give him a shout. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, stand with me this morning. Lift up your hands and just say, Holy Spirit, come. Come on, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we give you praise. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, start to praise Him in your own words. Just praise Him for a few minutes in your own words. Lord, we give you praise this morning. We magnify you this morning. Holy Spirit, come and download. Open up our revelation, God, to what you want to show us. I give you praise right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Listen, I feel to say this, that, you know, we believe in the prophetic gift. I'm a huge believer in the prophetic gift. But the primary way God wants to lead you is through the voice of the Holy Spirit He's placed in you. We love the prophetic. We got a prophetic lady coming later on this year, one of the greatest in the United States. You're going to fall in love with this lady. But nonetheless, the, 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 the God wants us to dial into the Holy Spirit He's placed within us. Amen? I love, I love to move in the gifts of the Spirit. I want to move more in the gifts of the Spirit. But the primary thing is God speak to me by your Spirit. Speak to me by your Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. And you know, some, I don't know why I'm saying this. We're going to pray. Stay standing with me and hang on. We're going to give some gifts away to mothers too, so don't leave. But, you know, I, I think sometimes, you know, at least for a pastor, sometimes we've, I've seen us pour our lives into reading about church growth and how this guy grew a church and this guy did an outreach. And, and all of that is good, actually. But sometimes when you get so into that, you get down into the flesh and soul realm. And you're just trying to figure out to do what this guy did. Or I just want to do it the way they did it. Instead of listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. On 9-11-2001, I was in Washington, D.C. The day before 9-10-2001, I was in Williamsburg, Virginia, in a conference with Pastor Jack Hayford. And Jack Hayford said these words. I've never forgotten it. He said, most of the guys in America back then are looking to model their church after two people. One is Rick Warren in Southern California. The other is Bill Hybels in, in suburbia Chicago. He said both of those guys live in extremely wealthy white suburbs. And they're both wonderful men. He said, I know them both personally. They have a passion for souls. He said, but you know what? You're not them. <laughs> Told a room full of pastors in Williamsburg. You're not them. They got their own vision from God. What you need to do is go get your vision from God and let God, then people be writing books about you. Hallelujah. Come on, you can apply that to any area of your life. Raise your hand and say, God, I want your vision for my life. 
I want your vision for my life. Come, Holy Spirit. Come on, pray out loud right now. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we thank you right now for your power. Lord, we give you praise and we thank you for your power to us who believe, God. The power of the Holy Spirit. Come and fuel us for victory, Lord. Fuel us at Fountain of Life Church in Jesus' name. Every member, every family member, every person in this room, Holy Spirit, come and fill and touch right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracles, signs, and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.